Hey everyone, I am Michael Bloxton and you are here with Space Without Limits. I am joined by two of my favorite people, uh, Peter Street, co-founder here at Nebula Space Enterprise, and Ashley, who is our powerful director for Nebula Media. And Ashley is going to walk us through uh, and walk you through why Peter and I are here on the mission that we're on with Nebula Space Enterprise. And with that, Ashley, your show. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me, Mike. I usually work behind the scenes, so I'm really excited to get dig a little deeper and learn more about what you and Peter um, have cooking behind the scenes for Nebula Space Enterprise and all of the other arms. So that being said, for our viewers who don't know, um, what exactly is the vision for Nebula Space Enterprise and its subsidiary companies? So Nebula Space Enterprise the purpose of that entity and all the things that follow are to provide all of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources. And every word of that is powerful. All of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources. So not just a select few, uh, not just a little bit of resources, but all of humanity access to deep space and infinite resources. It's a very, very multi-decade, possibly a multi-generational purpose but that's why we're here. That's a huge statement. And I'm sure that you'll elaborate more on that as we go through. Um, so what all, there are four companies that currently make up Nebula Space Enterprise. What four are they? So we have Nebula Compute, which is our foundational infrastructure company, as well as Nebula Blockchain, Nebula Cybersecurity, and Nebula Media. All right. And this series in particular, Space Without Limits, all of them, all of the different episodes talk about a lot of those different technologies in depth. Um, and today we're going to get a little bit more from your co-founder, Peter Street, on compute, correct? Correct. And oh, others, right. if, he, if, he, if he wants to expand. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, so um, Mike, tell us a little bit more about you and then Peter, um, we definitely wanna hear who you are and what your background is as well. So my background uh, was primarily in telecom. And when people think about space, telecom doesn't come to mind unless you're looking at the economies of space. And then you think about telecom being satellites that are connecting the world. My background was in cell towers, uh, which is a different type of network than what you're seeing in space. But none of that was relevant to why I'm, I'm building Nebula and why I'm working with Peter to, to pull out this vision and this purpose. It came because I was thinking about what I want to dedicate my life to. Why and what am I going to trade my life for going forward? And I had some ideas about it. And space was this thing that just like a lot of people that are watching this now just feels good. And like you, I had zero background understanding of how to jump into that. And if you have some understanding of how to get in, kudos to you for getting further than I was. Uh, I established if I was to trade my life for space, what, what would I be trading that life for? And that's the purpose that you just heard. I had no idea how to go about doing that. But for me, very specifically, the energy behind getting into it and taking action didn't happen until I had my son, my, my first son, when he was a month old and I was holding him having this visceral experience. Why doesn't he have the future he deserves? And that purpose came back and, and then it was all about, well, how do you make that purpose real? Was what will what will unravel here and, and uh, reveal to everybody as we go through Nebula Space Enterprise and those individual individual companies 
that's how we're executing on this very, very, very big purpose. So that's why I'm here is to really provide both my kids the future that they deserve and their generations to come uh, and the opportunities that 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 come with living a fantastic life that they deserve and your children deserve and others uh, that, that we know deserve and others that we haven't even met deserve. I think that's a really um, powerful story uh, because we all have things, people that we love and people that we want the best for. Um, and there's nothing that really propels us into success more than mother necessity and who we love, right? So um, I love it when you tell that story. Peter, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your background. And yeah, so I have 25 years in corporates uh, prior to joining Mike with Nebula. And uh, in the early 90s, when internet was just starting, I uh, went to, into career of uh, technology and IT. So I started with IBM in 98, and I was part of seeing the uh, internet boom in 20, 2001, and I saw how AWS grew to a very large and successful company. And then I worked in corporate America in cloud delivery, cloud strategy, and I saw the expansion of cloud from being something that only enterprise used to being something that the entire society really was using to thrive on and, and to evolve. So now moving into space, it's really like, like the next generation, the next frontier. Uh, it's taking capabilities we've had on Earth, asking more questions on how can we do something that is very new and perhaps better. And in those cases where we can do something with real impact, it could be climate change, looking at the Earth from Earth observation. It could be making use of uh, GPS, which was the first foundational satellite capability that came to came to, to race and looking at new capabilities, autonomous behavior from space. Maybe we can do computing from space. There's a lot of questions and a lot of new generation technology that I think we can really use. And we're just now seeing the inception of that. So I'm excited to be part of this. It sounds like um, your background has really fueled your trajectory forward. Was there a personal moment like Mike had that pushed you into this arena or is it just curiosity and exploration and pioneering? So, so in my case, I've always been very curious. I've always uh, read a lot. I've always studied a lot, took multiple degrees. So I think in my case, it's not a single moment. It's more, I always wanted to challenge myself and take some, take in something new in space. Certainly has all the questions um, that we have more questions for than answers at this point, but it's also what makes it really exciting. It does make it very exciting. Well, Ashley, so, go ahead. If, if I could expand on and, and try and connect this, there is a very logical reason to the path that we're on and, and why compute blockchain, cyber, and media. In my background with cell towers, I was involved in this industry that was you know putting up a ton of cell towers and, and then I got involved and I kind of saw that go less and less. And what most people don't realize is in the United States alone, there are 500,000 cell towers, which sounds like a lot, sounds crazy. Prior to that, the, the way the United States was connected was through Ma Bell putting up these telephone poles. And there are 5 million telephone poles in the United States, which are two very interesting facts that most people don't know. And if you think about that, the telephone wire uh, was literally wired across the entire country, across 5 million telephone poles. You have an order of magnitude less infrastructure to connect that population to more going to 500,000 cell towers. 
And one of the things that you're seeing now, uh, when you think about Starlink or OneWeb or Kuiper or any of these other commercial uh, companies putting up satellite constellations to connect the same uh, population, they're another order of magnitude less. So you're going from 5 million to 500,000 to 50,000. Now, it, space people think, oh my goodness, 50,000 satellites. But I hear that and think of 5 million, 500,000 just for the United States. And then the 50,000 is able to connect the entire globe. So to Peter's point, the trajectory of what humanity needs here on Earth is space. You know, it started with GPS. Telecom is a massive industry that is fueling space by itself. Um, and now if you think about telecom on the ground, we're not going to be digging fiber optic cables through the sub-Saharan Africa, uh, sub-Sahara, or are we going to be digging up um, data centers and, and fiber optic through the Amazon? It's just not efficient to do that, to connect the other half of the, the human population right now, about three, three and a half billion people aren't on the internet. So there's a, there's a logical progression to why we are executing on this part of the plan uh, at this time and why space is so relevant to everyone watching this right now. If you're watching this, you're connected to the internet. There is about half the people on earth that aren't, and they're not going to get connected the same way that we are or have been uh, through previous decades and centuries. So I'm hearing a lot of what you said initially. Um, I mean, you're outlining an efficient trajectory, but you're also outlining um, a conservancy and a realistic awareness of where people in the globe are and what they have and what they don't have access to, which goes back to your original statement about making sure that everyone has access to infinite resources. Um, and it's no, you know, every, we hear all the time about global warming and fuel crisis and water crisis, and we're not going to talk about that right now necessarily, but those are all the things that um, I've heard talk about in the space industry. Uh, problems that would be solved. So what does it mean, space industry? We're talking about big pictures, but what is it right now? What is it to you? But then what is it to someone in marketing like myself? I would actually like to hear Peter's perspective on this because at some point, and I think we have this conversation right now with cyber, the cyber industry, what doesn't cyber touch? Space is very similar in that it touches so many parts of your life, again, how you communicate with people around the world does touch space at some point um, in that communication. So there's this, I, I think, a cognitive change. There's a generation, uh, the, the, the way I would liken it to is some people Google things, but the next generation doesn't use Google. They use YouTube to Google things. Um, you know, if I could have someone show me how to change the battery in my car key uh, versus having to read a checklist on Google, that cognitive change um, happened. And I think we're about the same place on the space industry, but I'd like to hear your perspective. Yeah. So, so the space industry to me is really evolving and in particular with shifts over the recent 10 years where you moved from a industry where you had companies like Lockheed Martin, you had companies like Boeing servicing very few customers in most cases, governments. And now we're moving into a new era of the space industry where You'll have commercial large companies. It could be Virgin Galactic. It could be companies such as SpaceX serving a broader number of customers. And with that change, you'll also see a new set of services. And that's what's really exciting is we're going into a much broader adoption of many more services that are yet to come. So, so really industry here 
went from being just a few big players and some few big customers, primarily government, to mass adoption where industry becomes much broader and has much more business verticals, earth observation, emergency services, and many, many more that is yet to come, including such as mining or debris removal. So that's what's fascinating is just the growth of the overall industry and the amount of players that are getting involved. I hear a lot of opportunity in that, um, both terrestrially and in the cosmos, which is um, just gets more and more exciting. Uh, so it leads me to the next question is, why is space relevant? Kind of get into that answer, but. Um, again, the life that we live today, what I don't think most people realize is how much space has impacted that. You know, we're all familiar with LED lights. LED lights, and, and even Velcro for that matter, are direct descendants of the space program um, with NASA developing that technology. And NASA, the DOD, the DOE, DOC even, they, they push these initiatives that end up being able to be these everyday items that we use. The phone in your pocket, the, the network that supports that, if you didn't have that network and all of the technology, which again, does include space and even, even watching and streaming some TV and backhaul through Viasat and things like that across the globe, if you, if you took that away, a lot of those things wouldn't work and they wouldn't work well. I don't know about uh, anybody else, but I don't think I would carry my phone around if it didn't have a connection to the internet. If it was just a phone, I wouldn't have the phone that I have. It's so much more than a phone, not because of the onboard processing that that phone has, but it's the the access and the capability to that, the other things it's connected to, and that's space. And that's just where we're at right now, what's relevant in your pocket today. What's coming and things that we're working on are, you know, how do you remove things that are dirty and bad for the environment? How do we get access to those things without impacting this enclosed ecosystem that is Earth? How do we move that stuff to space and still get the benefit? Can we get more benefit from space than any of those things could ever do here on the ground? And, and thinking about power and energy and, uh, and, and even data processing that you'll hear about. So there are a lot of reasons, direct reasons that humans can benefit from leveraging space. Again, that cognitive change of space is not a tourist destination, but space is an asset that should be leveraged for humanity. You got thoughts? Yeah, so I think there's two fundamental capabilities that uh, space brought to humanity uh, that we all know, know of. One is GPS, which enables all the traffic, in particular flight traffic. If you didn't have GPS, it would be incredibly hard to have all the airplanes above us navigating the way they do. That is a fundamental satellite-enabled capability, which enables travel around the globe. And the second one, which is also more recently uh, becoming increasingly important is Earth observation. The imagery from Earth, it started with pictures of the Earth used for maps. Then it moved into saying, okay, well, we can take sharper pictures and we can look at the detail of the, the various um, phenomena. If it's uh, Earth uh, changing, uh, climate change, or it's down to transportation and security. And now most recently, we're seeing it with the regional conflicts where the ability to take pictures from the sky can truly impact how you perceive a regional conflict. So it also opens up much more of information, not only to governments, but also to consumers and the global opinion. So, so that's where we are right now. And those are two shifts that took a long time. 
uh, over 40 years to implement these technologies. I think we're going to have a much faster traje trajectory now. You will come over the next 10 years, you'll see services that will enable consumers also to have much better access to space-based services. It could be based on Earth, Earth observation. It could be much more granular pictures, and that can be used for forest monitoring. For instance, wildfires, it could be monitoring what's going on in a large city, the transportation, what's called a smart city. Just the ability to take more real-time pictures to be able to understand movements. There's so many things we can do better on Earth if we have more accuracy and more clarity from, from space on what's going on. So you said that you see it moving more quickly. Why is that? Why do you see it moving at 10 years as opposed to? Part of it is that the uh, two things are, are shifting radically. One is the cost of moving things into space. That has to do with the launch cost. It dropped from $200,000 per kilo down to less than $2,000 per kilo now. So that's a radical shift from the 1960s. That means that it's cheaper to get satellites up on orbit. The more satellites you have, the better visibility you have and coverage of ground stations. And then secondly, computing power is exponentially increasing, which means that a satellite in the past couldn't do very much relative to what the satellite can do now. The same size satellite can carry computers that are so much more sophisticated and can enable so much more autonomous behavior than they could even compare to 10 years ago. So you have a combination of both, cheaper to get up in the sky and much more computing capability to deliver services. Those two in combination, that means you have this acceleration of services. And obviously that's aside from the financial uh, impact and, and investments, which we can talk about separately. Okay. so. We, we have this trajectory and a lot of different verticals, but many economists are predicting a recession. So even though we're moving forward in these tech industries, what do you think that means for space? So, so from a recession standpoint, both inflation as well as the overall recession has impacted uh, the space industry. Even the last 12 months, a couple of things have happened. One, the supply chain definitely impacted space in general. Supply, supply chain issues around chips, manufacturing, spare parts. It's impacting the full supply chain for the space industry, slowing some portion of it down. When it comes to investments, the investments in the space industry on a year-to-year -year basis dropped over 40% compared to 2021 in Q3. So you have a drop as well. And we expect that over the next 12 to 24 months, you'll still see that type of recession slow down larger investments. So as an example, the portions of the space industry where you need larger capital investments may slow down, it already has, while uh, Earth observation and analytical, analytical sessions seg segments are not as impacted at all. In fact, they actually grew over the last couple of months in investments. Uh, so you can see how investors still believe in space while the larger capital investments are slowing down a bit. And I think you're touching on something too. Um, it's essential, it's imperative, right? That we continue to invest despite the recession and despite uh, some other barriers to entry that there may be. Um, Mike, do you think you could speak to that a little bit about why it's so important that we continue to pursue space? If, I mean, Elon uses this term of 
you know, our future should be bright. And I agree with that totally. Um, you know, my, my motivation, as you heard, is, is my kids giving them that future. But it should make sense, literally dollars and cents. And one of the pet peeves I have with a lot of space people, and, and um, I'm not surprised to hear this 40% cutback, is bad business models shouldn't keep getting funded. Uh, tourism, as, as we already touched on as well. Tourism, I don't think is a great business model. It, it's so few, so, so few select people that get to take advantage of tourism and space tourism. I don't think that's what we should be focused on. Uh, I think that we should, again, be looking at spaces. How do we, how do we leverage this unique environment and unique in, in its temperature um, and what's in it, what, what's not in it as a vacuum? Uh, it's, it's spatial awareness to us and, and the cosmos. There are so many things that are beneficial right now to humans and to being able to focus on what's right. And, and I don't think space has gotten the deep look that, I, again, I think we're in the shift now where people were putting, getting money for these bad business ideas or, or bad business models, great ideas, bad business models. Uh, and now we're seeing the shift to, you know, an increase in, wow, I can get this type of analytical understanding of my environment here on earth because of space. I'll give you one super fun example. What if while you're driving to somewhere or being driven somewhere, you could see, literally see a parking spot before you get there that you could pull into rather than having to search around the parking lot. I can't imagine the amount of hours all humans would get back if they didn't have to search for parking. That would be, that would be a fun anecdotal um, idea that may or may not have a great business model. I'm not sure. Haven't, we haven't looked into that, but that's something that space would enable. And if you, again, I think if you start thinking about space and we start keep moving in this direction, you're going to see that space enables a lot of really, really cool things when people start digging into um, better business models, better support structures to, to continue to expand in space. Um, another anecdotal story I'll share is the iPhone. Apple, as great as Apple is, would never have been able to develop, I don't even know what the number is now, tens of millions of applications. They develop applications and they develop a lot of applications, but if they didn't create the platform by which and invest in the platform by which anyone around the world could create an application on top of that system, we would not have the plethora of, of the app store that we have today. And I think space is analogous to that, where we need to continue to build out this infrastructure so that other people can come up with ideas that Apple would have never come up with. These apps, you know, that can do all sorts of things. And now we're getting biomedical data out of watches and, and things like that because of these platforms that people invested in. Space is the same exact place. We need to be able to build out that type of infrastructure. You also talked, touched on something, I think, um, that's pretty relevant to someone who may not be as acquainted with space. And that is the maybe media-driven paranoia or concern about accessing space when we may not manage Earth's resources so well, um, and not really viewing the Earth in the full context of the solar system or the universe that it's in. And I was just thinking as you were talking about that, if we only went into our own bodies or we only stayed within, or if an animal only stayed within its own ecosystem, it may not survive. Um, all of life has survived by going beyond its status quo ecosystem. And we as humans have survived as a species um, going beyond that. So it makes sense 
in the earth sphere that we would go beyond and really embrace earth space in the cosmos as opposed to just seeing this bubble that we live in and thinking that that's all we have access to so and if we had the ability to get there then we probably it makes sense to survival that we would leverage that ability just on a very primal very primal um point so i hadn't really thought about that till you <laughs> you were mentioning that so well, I think there's there's a comment to be made there is if you if you measure the amount of atoms that Earth has, it's measurable, right? It's going to be some huge number. That number will always be less than what we could have access to just at the asteroid belt or even near Earth asteroids or even the moon. Uh, there there's a, a mathematical reason for us to want to expand beyond this one closed ecosystem. Another comment, um, regardless of your perspective on climate change, and it's not, it's not if climate is changing. Climate has changed since the earth was, was a planet. Uh, it's our humans accelerating it. Whether your opinion on that is one way or the other is irrelevant. Humans need to survive that change. And in order for humans to survive that change, they should reach external to where that change is happening, in my personal opinion. Um, so, so I think there's a, a way by which you can look at it from a climate perspective, from a resource perspective. All of those, to me, lead back to wanting to go to space and leverage space for the assets for humanity here on Earth. All right, everybody, that is the end of this segment. Uh, Peter and I and Ashley are going to continue this conversation in the Space Insider section. If you need more information on that, check below. Uh, but I appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening to us. And thank you to Ashley for hosting us and Peter for being a great co-founder. We will be continuing that conversation. And thank you again for joining us uh, up to this point. Next segment, follow the link below.